Who do you work for, really? Each one of us has a calling. Have you heard this before? Your workplace is your mission field, wherever that may be. You either work for him or work against him, but you work for someone. Who do you really work for? Is it your clients, your boss, your family, yourself, or your Lord? This isn't a trick question. There is a right answer. You're either all in or all out. Are you for him? I am. In fact, I work for him. Hey, Jim, who do you work for? I work for him. I work for Jesus Christ. I want to be your hands. Let me introduce you to the host of the I Work For Him show, Jim Brangenberg. Welcome, welcome, welcome. You've tuned into the I Work For Him radio show with your host, Jim Brangenberg. Take a minute and listen. I Work For Him, it's not a program that you sign up for. It's a mentality. It's a way of living. It's a permanent shift in your Christ-following paradigm. It's a revolution that's happening in the workplace, and it's about bringing the kingdom of God into places where the kingdom is is ignored. Keep in mind that your existence in your workplace, it's not by chance. It doesn't matter what you do or where you do it. Whether you're a pastor, a car mechanic, an attorney, a teacher, a mom, a used car salesperson, your work, it matters to God. And he expects you to be his representative in your workplace. And in your workplace, to recognize that that's your mission field. And in that mission field, you may be the only Jesus your coworkers and employees may ever meet. Now, I know you've heard me say this tons and tons of times, but every day we need to be reminded that going to work is not just to draw paychecks so we can buy groceries. Going to work every day is an opportunity to be a light for Christ. Each day on the I Work For Him show, we try to bring you the practical, the tactical, the factual, and the biblical ways to incorporate your faith into your workplace. I don't come to you as an expert. I don't come to you as somebody that's got this all figured out. I'm just one guy trying to live my life transparently so that you can maybe gain something in order to be an effective witness for Christ in your workplace. Our paradigm shift is described like this. Romans 12.2, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Welcome to the I Work Ram Zone. I hope you're never the same. You know, I Work Ram is not a program that you sign up for. It's a mentality. And every Together on Tuesday show that Martha and I do, we talk about the difference, the mentality shift that we need to take. Because people treat marriage like a commodity today. Like they're just going to chew it up, spit it out, whatever's left over. They, they throw the leftovers away. They, they don't treat it like the most valuable commodity. And underneath your saving faith in Christ, your marriage, it needs to be fought for because it, you giving up on your marriage has repercussions for not just your lifetime, not just your kid's lifetime, but your grandkids' lifetime and perhaps your great-grandchildren. And so every Together on Tuesday show that Martha and I do, we talk about relationship issues and, and marriage issues. Today we're going to take a little bit of a turn on it, though. As we read Romans 12 too, don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. And, and that whole shift today is, you know, Christians are under attack. The whole idea is the enemy wants us to look stupid. The enemy wants us to walk around defeated. The enemy wants us to uh, just be pathetic, mamby-pamby, weenie-butt Christians. But that's not what we're supposed to be, is it, honey? No, it's not. And uh, he he loves us to be content in the area of just being lukewarm. 
Right, and Jesus said the lukewarm people were not his favorite. He'd rather just them, you know, spit them out of his mouth. He's looking for Christ followers who are on fire. And and really, as we as we consider this, every day we should be looking at how do we deepen our faith? How do how do we put Christ, our walk with Christ into practice? And and there are frustrations every day, and sometimes they mount higher than other days. But we need to just step back and go, okay, what is this really all about? And how do we do it? So today we're going to talk about the enemy's approach, the 12 steps to defeating Christians. And as we talk through these issues today, I really think it's going to, some of these are going to resonate with you. They're going to, they're going to go, wow, I never really thought about that. But we're, we are here today to eliminate every one of the Mamby Pamby Weenie Butt Christians that are either on this show or listening to the show, because there are times that I know. I'm a mamby pamby weenie butt Christian, and, and and I know it's not impressive. Martha's laughing. Why are you laughing at me? Because you just keep saying that. <laughs> it's just funny. <laughs> because it's true. I want everybody to be saying, I don't want to be a mamby pamby weenie butt Christian, because that does not impress my heavenly father. That's very true. You know, he he desires so much more from us, and it's no different than, um, well, it's a lot different than our other relationships, because it is the most important one. But in the respect of relationships, if you are not investing anything in it, then it's not growing. It's not going anywhere. It's not doing anything. And and so that's really what it boils down to. And Satan wants us to just be coasting and drifting apart from our Savior rather than uh, getting stronger and closer to each other. It is, walking with the Lord is difficult. There are days we've had, ever since we did this uh, um, this really the whole merger step in faith move to Salem communications back in July. We have changed businesses, changed jobs, changed stations. We've had some, uh, we've had some days. It's, it's been a lot of transition and it has, it has um, stretched us in a lot of ways in our being tired and how hard we've worked. And um, it's all good things, but in our humanity, it has, um, allowed us to see some of our areas of weakness. How about that? <laughs> well, I know this. I'm tired. I'm yeah. tired. And and as we uh, roll into Christmas time, I know that I'm going to get more tired. We get, we've got to avoid it. We've got to find some way to get more rest, but yeah. have some more fun. I think the important thing is um, a lot of what we're going to talk about today is allowing things to defeat you or allowing them to help you to grow, um, picking where to, what things to eliminate that are distracting us from the really important things in life. The good news is last Friday night, we finally got a date night. That's and right. And we got to go to the International Auto Show, sponsored by Motor Trend. Love that Motor Trend. Love the auto show. And I picked out my brand new car that I'm going to buy 10 years from now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Found an article a little while ago. It was probably even a ridiculous email that I got. Maybe even a great email I got. I'm not sure what it was, but I got I, I found this list of 12 steps to defeat Christians. I think actually my mom sent this to me. And as I read through it, I thought, wow, this is really true. And so Martha and I are going to talk today to identify the attacks of the enemy on how he finds a lot of success in defeating Christians. And as I like to say it, this is going to be a patented Jim Brangenberg thing. We want to eliminate all of the mamby-pamby weenie-butt Christians out there. There's no such thing. You're either all in or you're all out. That's what we're going to talk about today. The 12 steps to defeat the enemy so that we don't end up with a bunch of defeated mamby-pamby weenie-butt Christians. 
Okay, I'll stop saying it. I'll stop saying it. No, but I, I want to think sh- it makes a point, though. It does make a point. And for a lot of people, this is something that um, you can't relate to yet because you have not seen the movie War Room, but it'll be out on DVD soon and Rub then you'll be in. able to watch it. You can buy it. it for me for Christmas. Okay, there you go. First, you should have taken first, me into the theater. First thing on your Christmas list. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, the reason I bring it up is that my absolute favorite scene in the movie has to do with. Um, basically without going through the whole thing for anybody who's watched it, the whole scene where um, coffee is being served and it is served lukewarm. And the point is we don't want our coffee lukewarm. Why would our heavenly father want a relationship with us that's lukewarm? And that really goes along with what we're talking about today because Satan wants us to be lukewarm. We're, we're, he likes it comfortable there. And this is not where we want to stay. Yeah, lukewarm. And, and when we say lukewarm, I don't think people get it, which is why I describe it. We don't need a bunch of mamby-pamby weenie butt Christians because we just don't. There are too many people that are out there that call themselves Christians, but when it really comes to living their faith, they're like, yeah, I'm going to shy away from that. How? how? How does that work? Jesus died for you, died for me. We've got to just... We got to live this. And when I use those words to describe it, Ace goes, what does that mean? I don't know. It just describes something we don't like. You know what I mean? <laughs> Ace is going to look it up. He's going to find a Webster dictionary thing. Okay. So number one way to defeat a Christian, and we're going to go, we're going to go both sides of this. Number one way to defeat a Christian and the number one way to defeat the enemy. The number one way to defeat a Christian. What? What? Martha gave me a funny face. You can't do that on radio. You have to do that. I can do it on radio because yeah, no, you're nobody... the only one that's supposed to know about it. Okay, but now I'm sharing with everybody because that's <laughs> the whole deal. A lot. All right. Keep them busy with non-essentials. Keep Christians busy with non-essentials. Yeah. If we can, if he can keep our focus off of the really important things and we can keep busy with the things that don't really have eternal significance, then we continue to um, not be doing kingdom work. And that's where Satan wants us to be. So non-essentials, what's the first one come to your mind when you think of non-essentials? Well, I think about this week when we were mentoring a couple and we were talking about how, you know, they never have anybody over because they always worry about the house being perfect. So they work so hard on the house being perfect that they never work on the relationship with others. That would be a non-essential. That's really good. Yeah, thank you. I came up with that all by myself. I know you did. I'm just trying to think of some of the... They, well, point out something to me, something I focus on that's a non-essential. Um, okay, let's see. Wow, that's a tough one. Um, focusing on... Can't be tough. I'm sure there's all kinds of stupid yeah, stuff. Yeah, but at I've... the moment, I was really happy I came up with that one. Okay, so. having a super clean, organized garage, because I really like my garage to be organized. I like to be able to know where to find stuff when I get, when I get it, even though, yeah, it, it is pretty incredible, my garage. And but it's not important. No. It's just a place it's to put good a car. because you can find the things that you're being a good steward. But if that becomes so important that you don't let me park in the garage, then, you know, you've gone, you've, you're focusing on the I let you thing. park after the, after no, no, the floor no. is painted. But I'm not saying you don't. I'm just saying if, if, if your focus was so crazy that um, it was taking you away from other things that, but the other night you ministered to somebody while you were working on something in the garage. So instead of sitting down at the table and, you know, just having a conversation, you said, Hey, come in the garage with me. I want to work on this and we can talk about what you want to talk about. And that was great because you were using that space to, to focus on, um, somebody's life and having impact.
So, but focusing on the non-essentials, getting keeping people busy with non-essentials is something so easy. We, you know, like Christmas time, we're so busy about buying presents for a bunch of people that already have everything that they need. That it's just it's just like a waste of time. Buy them a goat. Oh, Martha's like, keep going, I'm moving on. You got to talk. We're having fun here. Okay, so the the key is just stop for a second and think: Is this really important for me to be spending my time on? Is it distracting me from important things? Because for, oh, here's something. Well, it's something I've given up. NASCAR. I gave up football. Of course, I grew up in Minnesota, so that wasn't too hard to give up. Uh, but I gave up NASCAR. I love racing. Absolutely love it. I, there's nothing better I love than the smell of 110 racing fuel. Wow, I love the smell of that. Or that sound and, when and they're the going sound. around. <laughs> love that sound. But it's not important. <laughs> Took up every Sunday afternoon when we just needed to be spending time together. It just getting rid of cable television was another one. Non-essential. We need to spend more time together. I'm not sure that Netflix binging hasn't taken that over, but anyway. Okay, so we need to focus on the essentials. That would be the side of how we defeat the enemy. we got to focus on the essentials, which are relationships with our neighbors, with our kids, with our family, uh, with our coworkers and employees, so that we have the opportunity to share our faith. Yeah, so you want me to go to number two? Go to number two. We'll All tempt right. them with it, and then we'll come back after the break. All right. Another way to defeat us as Christians, and remember, we don't want to be defeated, but tempt us to overspend and go into debt. Boy, is there something that plagues our society, a credit-driven society, which 50 years ago wasn't even possible. 40 years ago, it was barely even possible to get a credit card. Now they give credit cards to, I don't know, the kids are born and they give them a credit card right in the birthing room. Uh, the going into debt thing. It is totally a trap. It's totally slavery and overspending on what? Again, you're overspending on non-essentials. You know, today we're talking about really just trying to draw attention to every one of our listeners and ourselves on the ways the enemy uses to defeat us. And then we're giving a quick example of how to defeat the enemy in this way. So the first one we talked about was keeping the enemy loves to keep us busy with non-essentials. And we gave examples of what that may be, but we, we we do end up focusing on things that just don't matter. And then the second one, Martha just introduced right before the break, is to the enemy loves to tempt us to overspend and go into debt. And we're at the time of year where the enemy really works hard at that. Yeah, and really what that does is it, again, taking the focus off of the most important reason that we have Christmas and distracting us by not only spending the money, but then being in debt in most cases— um, because people forget every year that it's going to come around and they don't plan for it. And then you're in a, you live in a life of regret of the things that you spent money on. So again, just taking the focus off of the real reason for Christmas. And he loves doing that because then you get frustrated, you have anxiety, you need time to go shopping, you need money that you don't have, or even if you do have it, is it really where you need to spend it? And so all of those, again, distractions, keeping us from having the right focus that we're supposed to have. I think what's fun about that is recognizing how much of an impact the opposite that is. Underspending and not going into debt has really, when you look at how crazy our lifestyle is, a lot of people are like, gosh, you guys are really crazy busy. And we are, and we're we're trying to work on that. But we don't have debt driving us crazy because I can't imagine working as hard as we are and having debt in the back of our minds all the time. That would just, it would drive me nuts. Yeah. And that's a very overwhelming feeling. And we've been there and we know what it's like to know that there's um, things that you, um, you don't even remember what you spent the money on, but you owe it. And we don't, we just want to be 
not in that position because that just adds that other level of guilt and oppression and um, having to work for what you've already done instead of working to save for something for the future or working to invest in the kingdom. And that's where we want the focus to be. And really, this is a list on 12 steps on an overall basis on how the enemy defeats Christians, steps to defeat them. But this is also, both of them, the first two ones have already been right in there for, this is a great way the enemy uses uh, these things to destroy marriages, keep people busy with non-essentials, like running kids to sports activities, Mm -hmm. not important. Uh, Overspending and going into debt, money pressure in marriage is rough. And number three, Make them work long hours to maintain empty lifestyles. Again, another great way to destroy marriages and another way, great way to defeat Christians. Because if we're, in other words, we, we, we live in a house, two bedroom, one bathhouse, maybe it's three bedroom, two bathhouse, and maybe a one car garage, a two car garage, and you're just fine. And instead of buying a $10,000 car, you buy a $30,000 car. Well, now you got to get another, maybe, maybe the mom's been able to stay home. Now all of a sudden she's got to get a part-time job. Well, then she's got a part-time job. She makes more money. Now you say, well, we could get a bigger house. And so we get a bigger house, and all of a sudden she's got to get a full-time job. And then you both end up working all these hours to support this debt when it, that's just empty. Because I, I can't tell you how many times the years that we've ridden up and down the intercoastal waterways uh, here in Tampa Bay, and uh, you're driving past these absolutely gorgeous houses on the water, which too bad for them about their insurance and property taxes, but that's okay. And they got swing sets in the backyard. And how many times have we ever seen kids in the backyard swinging those swing sets? Very seldom. And we're out there on Saturdays. We've often commented on that. It's like they're, you know, what's driving them to be somewhere else that they're not home on the weekend enjoying the the beautiful location and the wonderful environment that they have right there. Yeah. If anybody wants to buy us a house on the water, we will take it. And I will guarantee you, I will sit in my backyard and look at the water. (laughs) <laughs> Absolutely. I might even throw a, a line in the in the water and try to catch a fish. I don't know what I'll do with it, but I'll get my friends to help me. But you're just making us work long hours to maintain empty lifestyles. Now, Martha and I work a lot of hours, but we don't. it's not empty stuff. I mean, we're really feeding into people, pouring into people all the time. We do the radio show. We do marriage mentoring. So we're busy, but our kids are grown and gone. Those of you that get kids at home, they're your number one mission field. We, we got to keep that focus. Your priorities are God first, your marriage second, your children third, and then everything else. We get that stuff out of whack. So getting us to work long hours, maintain empty lifestyles, let somebody else raise your child. How about that one? That that builds right into that those empty lifestyles. Number four, baby. All right. Um, dis- Satan likes to discourage us from spending family time for when homes disintegrate, there's no refuge from work. So in other words, if we um, are busy doing other things, we're not building up our family, then when it we don't want to be there when it starts to disintegrate. And that's yeah, there's a, tension. Yeah. Tension caused by you're too busy, you have too much debt, you're focusing on non-essentials. Those things create all that tension. Yeah, it really is kind of a... a like a Self, snowball effect, yeah. you know, where it keeps getting bigger and bigger. You, you One thing's distracting you, and then you try to fill that maybe with other things like spending money, like working longer hours to earn more money, and then you end up, you know, seeing that things are disintegrating, but you don't want to be there because it's not a fun place to be. Right, so it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. Yeah. Like, I don't want to be there because my home's disintegrating. Guess what? By you not being there, it disintegrates faster. The enemy loves that. But here's the deal. All of these things we've just mentioned, all of them can be worked on. And we family time is powerful. We recommend 
the absolute most important thing for a family to do every day? Have dinner together. That's right. Doesn't have to be fancy, but have dinner together. Yes. It's just non-negotiable. And phones on the stairs, if you got them, or phones in some other room, not at the table, so you can actually spend time together. All right, number five way to defeat Christians. Overstimulate their minds with television and computers so they can't hear God speaking to them. Mm. Boy, that if there's ever a soapbox that I could get on and ride the rest of my life, it's the noise. People today do not understand the value of silence. And, and you could see that in people till you bring them on a missions trip to the mountains where their cell phones don't work and there's no television and there's no radio and there's no computers. And all of a sudden they're like, wow, this is pretty cool. I like this being a nature thing. But it is so true. I was having a conversation recently with a young gentleman and I said, listen, you need, you need to hear the Lord and you need to shut off your TV and you need to shut off the radio and you need to step away from your phone and you just need to be quiet. Kids today are almost afraid of being quiet. Yeah, so many of them. And not the kids, I'm saying anybody under 50, of course, because they're always walking around with headphones in. Well, we we see other people doing things and we think it's, um, we don't really even question it. And it just becomes acceptable and, oh, well, we should do that too. We should have the TV playing when the kids fall asleep because that helps them to fall asleep better. We should have them listening to music because it helps them to fall asleep better. We But then they become so accustomed to always having that, that now there's this whole, um, you know, confusion about, when is it appropriate? Are we? Are they talking to somebody? Are they listening to music? What are they? Even, how can I interact with them? Because I don't know if I'm interrupting something or is that just normal? And um, for a lot of people, they just have the TV on all the time as a background, and you you tend to not talk because you it's hard to converse over the top of that. So it fills that air, and then there's not real conversation happening. Well, and you look at that. Is your living room focused? On the television? Is your bedroom focused on the television? Is it possible for you to have any quiet time in your life? When you're in your car, do you ever shut off the radio? Or do you have your CD player in it? Or are you playing a CD? Or of course, you, we you hope got... they're listening from three to four every of course, weekday afternoon. But this is good stuff. <laughs> I mean, but just mindless chatter when you're not really contemplating. Because we really want you to think. Because this is something I've worked through. Last week, I didn't even tell Martha this, I fasted from, <laughs> this is terrible for a, talk radio host. I fasted from talk radio last week, all talk radio. I spend five or six hours a day in my car sometimes. And last week I actually fasted from talk radio, except for when I was on talk radio, just so I could pray through some things Mm. because sometimes I just get overloaded and I don't let the Lord even get time in my, my daily time and my daily time in the morning is not enough. And you know that I think the, the important thing to just talk about there is the fact that consciously making a decision to eliminate um, exterior influence when you need that quiet. And that's really what it boils down to is, are you getting quiet time? And and that you need to carve that out. For a lot of us, it's not going to be natural. It is not going to just come by default. It kind of goes back to that, you know, things don't just happen. You have to be purposeful about that and intentional. So making sure that you're allowing for the quiet and preparing the quiet. All right, so the enemy wants you to have noise all around you so you'll never hear the voice of God. Keep in mind, God will never yell. He will not yell. You need to be quiet. So you want to hear the voice of the Lord? Be quiet. And then ask him to speak to you. Just quiet your heart. (laughs) 
All right, we're talking about the, the 12 steps that the enemy uses to defeat Christians and just, just to have us be pathetic in, that's the way you describe it, uh, Ace, it's pathetic. Mamby, pamby, weenie butt Christians are pathetic, and that's not the kind of Christ followers that God needs. He wants us all in, and we're just trying to help us recognize the attacks of the enemy because guaranteed most of us have never even looked at this list and go, well, that's how the enemy defeats us, by keeping us busy with non-essentials, by tempting us to overspend by going into debt, to having us work long hours to maintain empty lifestyles, uh, discourage them from spending family time when the homes disintegrate because we're so busy up above and, and everything at home kind of disintegrates to overstimulate our minds with television and computers. So God, we can't hear God speaking to us. Yeah. And I was just commenting to Jim during the break that we didn't even talk about the computer aspect of that. We are all guilty of walking around with these little rectangular things in our hands that are computers that link us to so many other people and really, this is like all-encompassing. It can be non-essential. It can help us go into debt. It can um, encourage us to continue to work long hours. So many of these things that Satan has um, used in our lives to distract us from our relationship with Christ really can be accomplished on the phone. And that is a real danger. Um, we all think that we need to stay connected to that. And that's something that um, I think each one of us needs to really pray about and how much time we're spending on it. You're looking for the off button. No, no I wasn't. I was, I was I was trying to have a punchline. I was waiting for you to say, are you even listening to me? I was like, no, are I was looking at my phone. You, know, you to totally me? blew that deal. I was getting I was ready to be funny. I trying to figure out what you were doing over there. Right, but it's so true. I mean, really, well, we couldn't... 30 years ago, we couldn't have done that because... Well, 40 years ago, we couldn't have done that because the computer's as powerful to do what our phones do. They took up... A whole warehouse. Yes. They and did. even 30 years ago, to do what these phones did, it took up an entire building. Mm-hmm. And, and today we got them in our back pockets. But it is such a distraction. And a couple so broken hilarious. ones in the drawer. Last year at Christmas time, we took a picture of Martha's parents and my parents sitting on the couch, all four of them in their 80s, looking at their cell phones. It was The cute. most pathetic thing I've ever seen no, in my entire life. Oh, no. Because for them, you know what? I know each one of them is actually communicating with somebody because that's all they no, know how to do. No, my mom is looking up. Your your dad's looking up funny emails to forward on to his buddies. My mom's well. looking up emails. And my dad's going, well, somebody, I can look at my phone because everybody else is looking at their phone. My dad I doesn't think we even, taught him how to play solitaire. Maybe, but he doesn't He doesn't even send text messages. And he, he, I'm sure your mom is doing that communication. Hey, if you're thing. listening, you can send us a text message. That's right. We, we love you. We do love you. But it was a funny, funny picture. All right. It was so, funny. Number six, fill Christians' coffee tables and nightstands with newspapers and magazines and a plethora of books. So they have no time to read the Bible. I added the book part. You did. Do you know why? Because we have a lot of books on our nightstands. <laughs> on your nightstand. Martha's okay, nightstand weighs 700,000 pounds because it has 58 books in it. Okay. I have a lot of good intentions. We need a year off to catch up on our reading. Yeah, but then see more books get published, more magazines get published. So that's the whole point here is that if you allow that stuff to to take, to rob your time of reading the scripture, then Satan is accomplishing his goal there because there are so many, really, there's really good things to read, but if none of them take priority over our time in the word. I have rules for myself and I won't in the morning read anything else if I haven't read my Bible first. 
and going to bed, I won't read anything else until we've done our devotions together, which we only started recently because of our business partners. They did it together. They had been doing a couple's devotions. We're like, whoa, we should maybe do that. That'd be a great idea. We've always done devotions, but never together. Mm-hmm. And by the time we get done with the devotions and talking about it, I'm too tired. I never get to read anything anymore at night. I'm too tired. It's a rough I need more time. I need more time. Or I need an assistant to read it for me and then put it in my brain with a USB Not port. Not your Bible. No, you no, read that the other yourself. books. No, the other books. Oh, All right, okay. so so nightstands, coffee tables, full of newspapers and magazines. Just, you know, we, we only get the Sunday paper, and that's so I can read the comics. Because you can't get them any other day of the week. Like those. And those are very important they are for important. your my for relationship your health And because... my relationship with my boy. Yes, but also for your health because you literally laugh out loud. It's a giggle. It's a giggle time. All right, number and the way to so what we're saying is eliminate the clutter. Put your Bible on top of the stack, and if you haven't mm-hmm. read a couple of chapters in your Bible today, put down everything else. Start reading a couple of chapters a day. If you read three chapters a day, you can get through the Bible in a year. If you read a couple of chapters, it may take you a couple of years. But you know what? You need to be reading it. I, I, I run into Christ followers all the time when I said, "Hey, do you know about this story in the Old Testament?" Like, no. I asked a young guy the other day, I said, have you ever read the story of Job? No, but he's been a Christian for a long time. So we need to be, we need to be reading it. It, it, Read the book. Don't Don't wait wait for for the the movie. movie. I mean, seriously. All right. Number seven. Or did you have something else you want to say on that one? Well, I did just in the fact that, um, uh, what was I going to say? Oh, you were talking about reading two or three chapters, which it is important to get through the whole Bible so that you really (sighs) understand it. But this morning, I could only read a couple of verses because it was just so powerful and it was just what God needed us needed me to hear. Right? I was in Philippians and Philippians 1 6 says, um, he who has begun a good work in, in you will be faithful to complete it. And it was a great Maranatha song in the late seventies. Yeah, early he 80s. wanted to start singing it, so no, don't whistle. Oh no. All right, go ahead. But anyway, the point was is that for me today, that's what I needed to hear. And so I really just stayed there. I, I, I parked there as somebody would say, you know, and, and really just meditated on that. And so just the point again is getting in the word at whatever level that is, but do it um, with an open heart. Another way for the enemy to keep us Mm -hmm. being pathetic Christ followers. Don't read your Bible. You want to meet a pathetic Christ follower? Somebody doesn't read their Bible. Hey, what do you know about God? I don't know. I don't read my Bible. I don't know. I don't read my Bible. Okay. Stop. Read your Bible. It's got 1,500 pages of everything about God. It's unbelievable. We have to read it. Okay, number seven. Flood their mailboxes with sweepstakes promotions and get-rich-quick schemes and keep them chasing material things. Unbelievable. It is so true. The chase of material things. Just stop for a second. Wherever you are, don't hit your brakes if you're in in your car. But everything you own, everything you own is going to end up in a landfill if this world lasts long enough. Everything you own, including your home. It's going to end up in a landfill someday. It is. Hopefully not because of a hurricane. No, but if there is a hurricane, they'll rebuild it better, faster, stronger, like the $6 million man, <laughs> which would cost like $6 billion today yeah. if they could actually do it. But they don't have bionic eyes. Sorry, yet. I distracted you. You did. Squirrel. <laughs> All right, but but just we do have this unfettered pursuit of junk, which we're not going to get into that. We should maybe have that for a whole topic. But, the, junk. but, but the point of this number seven is that we it. keep getting things in the mail that that make us want to chase them. So, so stop know, getting your mail. Well, no, you should get your mail because there might be important cards in there from loved ones at Thanksgiving and things like that. One so, in a hundred hey, items we get in the read, mail are good. If our kids are listening, hey, remember to get your mail because, you know, your Thanksgiving card might be in there. So yeah. I'm just saying, <laughs> you don't better. forget to get your card out of the mailbox. But 
Okay, we do, we so, don't want to keep chasing material no, things, and right. the world keeps telling us we should. All right. Number eight. Put glamorous models on TV and magazine covers to keep them focused on outward appearances. That way, Christians will be dissatisfied with themselves and dissatisfied with their mates. I opened up the drawer where my motor trend is stored inside my uh, our, our bathroom. And I, I like to read motor trend in certain places in my house. And uh, on top of that, my magazine was a health magazine. Front cover, half-naked woman. Back cover, half-naked woman. I'm like, why did my wife put this in this drawer? Did yeah. you know it? You know what? And you're right. And that was one of those things where I got a free offer to get oh. a magazine. And I will not renew that because it is, I've been. Circular file. Yes. Okay. So, but, but we're, it, the point wasn't, we're not talking about pornography today. And that wasn't pornographic. Although, you know, 70 years ago, that would have been pornogra- pornographic. What I'm talking about is the distraction of, you know, if you Comparison. look at, well, right. But if you look at, uh, uh, artist renderings of people from 300, 200, 300 years ago, they they relished, no, they celebrated the body the way it was. You didn't see size one models in pictures. No, there were normal full figures. Full figured people were normal and they painted them naked, which I don't know why they did that. But anyway, we just, God made you the way you are. Celebrate it. God made all sizes, shapes, mind, unbelievable. So Satan puts these things out yeah, there. Yes, to help us be satisfied. On so distracted TV, with stupid stuff. On covers, on billboards to distract us and think, you know what? I'm not good enough. I or my spouse doesn't look like that. So I need to either, you know, improve on that or find something different. That's the kinds of things that people think when they see stuff like that. So there's that one billboard that- right as we get off to go to the airport. That guy always has a picture of a pretty person on it yes to get you and distracted it's a distraction and it right. makes you just feel insignificant all right we got so. three okay, minutes to go on this segment all right all right okay so just you know just accept you the way that god made you if you need to eat better eat better but you know size one people are not there's there's like there should be one in a thousand not one in ten all right number nine make sure couples are too exhausted for physical intimacy that way they'll be tempted to look elsewhere Let's remind people if they've just tuned in. What we're talking about <laughs> is good these, clarification. These are some steps that Satan takes to help defeat the Christian. And that is what we are trying to combat. And he is looking for ways to distract us from a better relationship with Jesus Christ and with our, our with our mate. And all these things attack marriages and, and and but it's our personal walk as well. And they attack families. And honestly, you know, I'm just amazed at how many times we talk with couples who aren't regularly physically intimate and they have temptation issues or there's other issues involved. But, you know, God gave uh, intimacy, physical intimacy, sexual intimacy between husbands and wives as the glow. And if we're in and the point here was Satan is also saying, keep them busy, keep them distracted, keep them exhausted yep. so that they don't have the energy to invest in their relationship. And so, of course, the opposite, the thing we can do to combat that is to take better care of ourselves and be more rested, build margin and, and be intentional in our relationship. Take a quote unquote nap on a Saturday afternoon. That sounds lovely. All right. Number 10. Uh, emphasize Santa and Easter Bunny. That way they'll be diverted from the real meaning of holidays. How in the world did Christ followers get sucked into this one? I have no idea. But you know what? We didn't teach our kids those things. That's, you know, do you, why would we lie to our kids? Let's just tell the kids the truth. We need to tell the kids the truth. Let's just focus on Christ because our whole world has been changed because of what happened on Christmas morning and, and what happened on Easter 
You know, I wish that we would have adopted a um, custom that a lot of our, f- I know we had friends that did, we did it a couple of years where we had a birthday cake on Christmas Day with our kids. And again, it brought that focus back. Not to- because we had a birthday. It was Jesus's Jesus' birthday. birthday. We don't really, he wasn't really born on okay, December but, 25th. The kids don't need that theology. They no, just they don't. were giving them a, an opportunity to say, you know what, this is when Jesus was born. And the same thing with Easter. And remember when I made the Easter cookies where you put them in the oven overnight? And then you probably don't even remember I did that when the kids were little. But it, it was a tradition that, um, again, it was about the tomb being empty and the way the cookies. Um, baked overnight in the oven. So totally don't remember. You that. don't remember. We'll have that. to do that next time the grandkids are done. Yeah, that would be fun. All so right. Can I Number do eleven. Involve them in good causes so they won't have time for eternal ones. Like, like um, having a baked bake sale to raise money for the library. For the library, that's a good one because that's a really good cause. But where's the eternal significance? Right, and there are some things that are very that you raise money for that are very kingdom-minded things, mm-hmm. like the Kiwanis or the Rotary or or some of these things that are really you know, habitat for humanity. But a lot of times, people get caught up in spending so much time on things where they, they they're so involved, they're so busy, but nobody's getting led to Christ. They're just busy. So we need to focus on involving things, involving ourselves in things that are really making an impact on people's lives. Number 12. Number 12. Make them self-sufficient. Keep them busy working in their own strength so that they will never know the joy of God's power working through them. Wow, that's a... That's a big one because so many of us. I got this. You know, don't worry about it. I got, yeah, yeah, you got it. Got it. <laughs> oh, okay. I don't need. I don't need to pray before the radio show today because I got this. You yeah. know. I'm, yeah. No, that's not. That's not how we feel every day. <laughs> no, but it is recognize that. Listen, you can't do jack squat without your heavenly Father. You will accomplish nothing without your heavenly Father, and everything you do accomplish will be meaningless and will burn up. It'll be the wood, hay, and stubble. But the good news is. With the Holy Spirit at the center of our lives, Jesus Christ saving us, our Heavenly Father guiding us, we can make a difference. And really, as we come to the end of another I Work For Him show, I want to thank you for tuning in today. And I hope you just learned something. Maybe you heard one thing that the enemy has been sneaking in, backdooring you on, to cause you to act really like a defeated, pathetic Christ follower. We all need to be looking at this stuff. But thanks so much for tuning in. Thanks so much to our show sponsors. Look them up online on our website. Just look for I Work For Him. Or go to Facebook, just look for I Work For Him as well. Hey, when you get home today, sign up for I Work For Him Nation so we can take this city. What are we going to do to take the city? You know, we learned today that our faith can be impacted by the enemy being intentional in defeating us, sending things in our way that can cause us to just get off focus. You know, being too busy, being distracted with too much noise, you know, overstimulating our minds with garbage, filling our minds with lots of great information that has no eternal impact, spending time on things that just don't really matter. And really, we need to just step back and recognize that we only get so much time on this earth. And we need to be investing our time in things that have an eternal impact. And there's a way to defeat the enemy. But it takes silence. It takes contemplation. It takes intentionality. And we need to read our Bibles to see the example of our forefathers and how they followed the Lord. 
But if we're going to take the city for Jesus Christ, we got to start doing it today by praying for our coworkers and employees to join the I Work For Him nation tonight. You've been listening to the I Work For Him together on Tuesdays with Jim and Martha Brangenberg. We're Christ followers and we own our own business, but ultimately, I, I work, work for him. him.